Praise God. Um, open your Bibles to, uh, we're going to actually uh, mess up the bulletin here a little bit. Uh, the, that one scripture that's there is Luke 2.14. We are going to read that. But we're going to start with Matthew uh, chapter 1 and verse 18. Now these are scriptures that will be read tonight uh, at the program, the Christmas program. And, uh, and, uh, so, you know, I'm re sort of jumping the gun here on this part, but I want to, there's some things here that I want us to see. The Christmas story, uh, if you ask most people what Christmas is about, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of folks, if they're, if they have a Christian background at all, even if they went to one of those Barium and Merriam churches, you know, they go to they go to church for a funeral and go to a church for a wedding. That's about it. You know, maybe maybe an infant baptism or something like that, depending on where they're going. Uh, but if they have a Christian background at all, if you ask what's Christmas really about, they'll say the birth of Christ. Just just off the top, you know, the birth of Christ. But it's not just the birth of somebody that was, you know, special or. Uh, you know, holy or, or whatever, uh, it's, it's our savior. And, uh, the Bible says that he was very God, very much God. Amen. And so, um, if there's, if there's a time that people could connect to the gospel, it seems to be that, uh, Christmas is a great opportunity. Amen. Uh, to, to understand that the greatest gift that uh, could ever be received was given by God. The Bible says that uh, for God so loved the world, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. He was the first gift giver. Our salvation, righteousness, uh, and being made right with God is a gift from God. It's not something we've earned. It's not something we've proven out to show God that, you know, we mean business about holy living or whatever. Uh, praise God, it's good to mean business about holy living. But on the other hand, we're not saved because we live holy. We're not saved because we live what we would consider moral or righteous. We're saved, Bible says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And you have got to be careful. We as Christians that's been in church our whole lives, some of us, I have. I was born on a Friday and mother took me to church in Thomasville on Sunday, I understand. Propped me up on the pew and there I've been ever since, held hostage. And, uh, but it's, it's good. Amen. I always say I've been in church too long. It's affected my mind. Well, you know, that's a good thing. Some of it. The, the real part of church is a good thing. The goofy part, you know, we gotta all believe God, walk in love. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) But everything that people get involved in gets messy. So, you know, one, one guy said, uh, the only way to have a completely perfect church is to run everybody off and then you don't have any problems. You also don't have any people, but, um, but in that time, it's easy to forget that our 
standing with God is all because of this gift of Jesus. Not by any works of righteousness. We used to sing that song, I'm complete in Him. Not by my works of righteousness, but in in Him alone I am complete. Amen? Should we have works of righteousness? Yes. Should we should we attempt in our heart to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord and one that's in line with Scripture and what Scripture calls good, we call good. What Scripture calls evil, we call evil. Yeah. Amen. It's good to line up with that. And sometimes you have to, in this culture, you have to fight to make the decision that you 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 separate the sinner from the sin. Amen. And, yeah. you know, we're to hate sin and but not hate the sinner. Amen. And we hate sin in our own life when it, when we're tempted, when, when things come up and we're struggling with something. Even if we're struggling with doubt and fear and worry and those things, you know, that's a kind of a sin in a way. And, um, we have to, to fight that because if, if it's not a faith, it's of sin. And, uh, well, I understand all that, but we've got to be careful that we don't associate our righteousness with our works instead of his works. Amen. 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 All right. So let's read this, Matthew 1, 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, uh, when, when as his mother, Mary, was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. When Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was mindful to put her away privily. And while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For, notice this, he shall save his people from their sins. So there's no other name given, I'll just leave it there. There's no other name given under heaven by which people can be saved. Thank God for the faith of Abraham. Thank God for the faith of Moses and those that showed us some things about God in the Old Covenant, but you can't be saved on their name. You can only be saved on the name of Jesus, and it's obviously that it was also for his people, the Jews, not just for everybody that's not Jewish. I'll, that's, I'll shut up so I don't start a war, but um, you just I don't know what you do with that verse there either. Uh, it just says his name shall be called Jesus. He shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which we sang about a few minutes ago, which being interpreted is God with us. Jesus, being raised from uh, sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had hidden him and took unto him his wife. 
knew her not until it, um, he, they mean intimately, knew her not until she had brought forth a firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Now, uh, notice again um, that the name Emmanuel is God with us. This is uh, a new thing on the earth right here at this moment in this historical event. God with us. And finally, Jesus said, after he ministered on the earth and died at 33, approximately 33 and a half years of age, when he was crucified, before he went, he said, I'm going to pray that the, I'm going to leave, but, but I'm, when I get to, when I get to heaven, I'm going to pray the Father that he would send you another comforter and he's going to be with you and not only with you, but in you forever. In other words, the Holy Spirit didn't come for a couple hundred years and then it was time for him to depart and now who's going to get the baton? But the Holy Spirit is the eternal spirit of God is with us. Amen. Now, you know, people love, especially in charismatic circles, they love to talk about the glory of the, you know, the events that happened in the desert, you know, and they would have the tabernacle and the power of God would come and they're blowing the trumpets and the priests are, are marching and the, the anointing came so strong that it knocked them all down. And, and now we've been on a quest ever since to try to reproduce that. I've actually been in services where we chanted in Hebrew uh, the same words to see if anything would happen, and it didn't. But uh, not yet. But it's it's a little bit. It's not a little bit. It's way off because uh, we have what they were longing for. They they got a manifestation of of God being in their presence and them in the presence of God, we can live in that presence. So am I for a service where the power of God seems to fall, seems to be a special move and all that? Absolutely. Amen. I mean, God, we should at least be having what they had, if not more. But if you're not careful, you'll want long for what has been replaced with what is now. Amen. And, uh, don't, don't throw a brick at me about replacement theology because uh, I didn't come up with, with, uh, oh boy, I can't believe I just boarded that out. But I didn't come up with the idea that the old covenant was to be done away with. That was God's idea, and it actually says, done away. A couple of you are looking at me like, I don't know if it says that. (laughs) Well, it does, and I'm going to show you where. Where it says it. Praise God. Um, Look at this. Look at 2 Corinthians 3. Now, this is supposed to be Christmas service. It is. This is Christmas. Merry Christmas. I'm going to correct your doctrine. Second Corinthians 3. Because I read something on Facebook, like just not 24 hours ago, and somebody, you know, was saying, uh, nowhere in the Bible does it say that the old covenant has been done away with or whatever. And yes, it does. 
It does say it says it right here. Second Corinthians three and verse six. Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But if the administration of death, written, what? The administration of death. He's talking about the, 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 the Ten Commandments. If the administration of death written and engraven in stones, that would be Ten Commandments, was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. Done away. I don't know what done away means to you. It's the last name of an actress, Faye Dunaway. That's bad. i got to get new writers. That's what Lucille Ball used to say if her joke went flat. She goes, I need new writers. How shall not the administration of the Spirit be rather or more glorious? For if the administration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the administration of righteous exceed in glory. And on and on. And look at verse 11. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious or more glorious. Amen. Amen. So there is a replacement. It's, it's not a replacement of people, but it is a replacement of the belief system that we're to follow. Amen. And that is, it's a new and living way, walk ye in it. I am grateful that the powers that be have not taken my New Testament away from me. But there is there is a replacement, and if you look at um, Hebrew, the whole book of Hebrews is uh, is is an example of the difference. He says if there had not been a flaw in the old, there would be no need to replace it. All right, moving right along. That doesn't get me voted in anywhere, but it's the truth. And I think it's a glorious truth because we have uh, Jesus saving us from our sins and the law had no power to do it. I can't even preach a, preach a Christmas message without getting into grace. But the whole thing's grace. Yes. People go, oh, I just love that. You know, if you ask most people what song they want sung at their funeral, they'll tell you, almost everybody says, well, I love Amazing Grace. Everybody loves Amazing Grace. Sing it, just don't preach about it. Because it might it might entice people to go crazy and live a sinful life. Listen, we had people living sinful lives in the Pentecostal church before the word grace was ever identified. You can't blame adultery and, and, and fornication and all these things that we hear about. You can't blame that on the grace message.
I had no intention of going here, and then that Facebook, I should be all, I should be banned. Praise God. I used to correct people on Facebook, but then it got into really heated battles and cancellations and all kinds of things, so I stopped. All right. Um, doesn't mean I can't think it. Okay. Um, again, God with us is the whole thing. Now, you know, you think about, and we, we won't turn there, I don't think, but we might. In Ephesians, the Bible says, explains what God got out of our redemption. What did he get? Um, he was able to free himself. Now, see, not only did we get freedom, God freed himself to be able to bless people like he intended to on day one. We say, well, what was God's will for man? The Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden. That was his idea. That was God's idea, by the way wasn't some prosperity preacher that you don't like. Oh, telling people God wants to bless them and live in a nice house and a lamp, you know. And it's like they're mad, and it's like, well, you would have hated the Garden of Eden because it was amazingly luxurious and everything provided, and, you know, even their clothing uh, was um, the glory of God. People say, well, I guess they just walked around naked. No, they didn't. They weren't naked. They were clothed with the glory of God, and the devil told them they were naked. Isn't that something? And so you're talking total, uh, everything's perfect. Climate-controlled Garden of Eden. It's nicer than Miami, where it gets to be, you know, 98 degrees and 99% humidity. In the summer, you could actually suffocate down there. And um, so, I mean, this is like an amazing idea. So if, if any time you think God doesn't want to bless you, you need to go read about the Garden of Eden and, and Solomon and, and, and his. Uh, one guy wrote, uh, shame on these p- people raising money to build nice church buildings. And I'm thinking, well, now, hold on. Said we need to go back to where the church building didn't matter. Well, I, I guess you're going pre Solomon's temple because God's idea of the temple was amazing, like gold encrusted and the best uh, timbers that they could get. You know, the cedars of Lebanon, all these things that were brought to the temple, and it was so magnificent that other nations' armies always wanted to raid it. And then you got some guy, it don't matter where you meet. Well, it does. I think the temple of the Lord, I mean, it's, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, but where we meet and worship and gather, it should have some aesthetic beauty to it. I love this church building. I think it's beautiful. 
One person told me one time I was in pride because I said that. And I said, well, I'm not in pride like negatively in pride. I'm, I'm just proud of what the Lord has done, and I'm proud of what the people of the Lord have done. What y'all have done. Amen. Praise God. Um, now, I want you to go to um, Luke 2. And, of course, this starts with taxes. <laughs> so they're kind of got to go, you know. Again, this thing that Jesus was, you know, poverty-stricken is not scriptural. It's, it says that they laid him in a manger, you know, in verse um, 7, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In other words, the the hotel was full. It wasn't because they couldn't afford a room. They obviously had had resources for the room, but it was full. So they said, well, the best thing we can offer you is the barn, which at least you get out of the elements. But it wasn't because the God chose for him to be born with with nothing. Amen. Amen. What the religion has done to the blessings of God is 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 absolutely borderline heretical. Because uh as if as if being a Christian means um just dragging around, you know, with with nothing, that is not scriptural. I got one no and a couple of <laughs> nods and three dirty looks. Um of course, we know the story about the shepherds. Look at uh, look at verse nine. Low, it wasn't high; it was low. Sorry. Low, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Well, that's you know you're afraid when you're sore afraid. <laughs> and the don't you love King James English? It's beautiful. The angel said unto them, Fear not. First thing is fear not. Stop being sore afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Now we preached on this um, last week. Uh, good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. All people. This This salvation news is to everybody. Paul said there is no difference between Greek and Jew, male or female. He didn't say there's different categories, and depending on which group you're in, you can pick and get in a slot. He says to all, which shall be to all people. Jesus knew this about his destiny. He said and declared, uh, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Nowhere did it say, now when you're with this group, don't say anything about Jesus because it offends them. That's not in the Bible. That's all I'll say about that, like Forrest Gump. Um, 
I love it, again, it's to all people. I'm not a universalist, but I will tell you this much. The message of Christ is is universal. It's to everyone. It's to everyone. We say, well, it's mean to preach Christianity and Jesus to other religions. You're not respecting them. It's like, no, we, we, we're respecting God, we're respecting our Savior. I sat out on a plane one time, leaving Palm Beach Airport. Um, this woman sat down next to me. She proceeded to tell me, I won't say that. I won't say that. It's too mean. Anyway, she proceeded to talk and... She, asked me what I did for a living, and I said, I'm an evangelist. And she went, oh, like that. (laughs) It made her mad. She went, oh. And I said, well, you asked me what I did. That's what I do. She folded her arms, looked out the window. I was on the aisle. She's in the window. So after they asked us if we wanted something to drink and some snacks, she finally got the nerve to turn and talk to me again. She goes, you're not one of those preachers that preach that Jesus is the only way to heaven, are you? And I said, yeah, I'm one of those. Oh, she did just like that. Oh, like she needed some repellent, some spray or something, you know. I said, yeah, I'm one of those. Oh. How can you say that? And I said, well, let me ask you this. If I say that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and I'm following, because see, the world loves to say, we follow the teachings of Jesus. Now, just because they follow the teachings of Jesus doesn't mean they're Christians. Doesn't mean that they've been born again. Doesn't mean they have the Holy Spirit. She goes, I said, and, but I, I, I played their, her game with, with, on that. I said, so if, she said, so you're saying you follow the teachings of Jesus. And I said, yeah. And she says, well, Jesus loved everybody. And I said, yeah, he does. And God loves everybody. That's why he gave us Jesus. <laughs> eating her peanuts and her pretzels. Rolled gold. That's pretzels. <laughs> Miniatures. That's what they give you. She's eating her rolled gold pretzels and scrunching them. <laughs> Looking at me. She said, I just don't know how anybody can believe like that. And I said, well, I said, look, if it was up to me, I'd just let everybody in. I don't care. But I said, I'm not in charge. I said, God is. And I believe that the Bible is God's holy word. And I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that He is who He says He is in the word. And I believe that if I'm going to be one of His ministers, I should maybe obey it. What do you think? That's what I said to her. And she went, I see your point, I guess. She was not happy. She was, she could not wait to get off of that plane. 
I wasn't even trying to witness to her or anything. She picked the fight with me. Made her mad. Well, my mother was the nicest person, she said, in the world. If anybody was sick in our building, she made chicken soup and brought it to them. And I said, well, that's very nice. That's wonderful. It's a godly trait. Looking after people. You don't get saved by looking after people. You see, the world, even the world's pressure is on the church to make, to, to remove grace and make works the way to God. It's, isn't that something? That that's the world's idea of, 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 of salvation or religion is, is being benevolent, is being caring. And we've got portions of the church, even full gospel, that have joined in on that mantra. Isn't that something? Well... Well, I'll tell you what, I thank God for the Bible. Because how else do we know what we're doing here? They say, well, you know, Jesus. They almost make it sound like Jesus was running the Salvation Army or Goodwill Industries. Hey, thank God for the Salvation Army. Thank God for Goodwill Industries. What they do for people, employ people, help people, others who maybe need to buy items at a reduced price they can go there i don't have a problem with them handing out turkeys whatever else you want to hand out you have to be careful with ham you don't know which group you've got you know (laughs) but turkeys seem to be available for everybody um but you know i'm all for that and there is a part of of Christianity, Jesus said, you know, I was in prison and you visited me not. I was naked and you clothed me not. And, you know, and I was hungry and you fed me not. And, and, and they said, Lord, when were you in need and we didn't provide? And he said, in the fact, in the sense that you didn't do it for the least of these, you're not doing it unto me. There is a side of Christianity that we need to be benevolent. We need to be givers. We need to help people. We need to have compassion. We need to be empathetic and sympathetic. But you're not saved by all that. <laughs> how are we saved? I'm going to show you in a minute how, how we're saved. Okay, is this helping anybody today? So I love this. Good tidings, great joy, which should be to all people. Remember, the, go- the, go- uh, the gospel is universal because it's to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. What an amazing, spectacular thing. Praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, good will toward men. Really all men. Good will. In other words, now... If the peace thing, I was in a high school chorus program and back in the 70s, uh, you know, every high school chorus saying, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Well, how's that worked out? Not too good. So something's off with that mentality. And according to the word, the closer we get to the end here, 
there's going to be more wars and more rumors of war. So I don't think that when they were saying peace on earth, it meant like peace, man, peace. Make love, not war. Put daisies in the pistols of, in the, in the barrels of the National Guard. But, um, it's not that kind of peace or peace on earth, meaning, you know, no war, no conflict. There's, as long as there's people on the earth, there's going to be war and conflict. So what does that mean, peace on earth? He means peace between God and man. Jesus came to bring him peace between God and man. The war is over. Remember what I said? What did God get out of it? He freed himself to bless us in spite of us. Woo! Shondaliar. All right. Now, I told you. Okay, I wish to do this from the Amplified. Put up, uh, Shannon, Second uh, Corinthians 5. 17 in Amplified Classic. There. Therefore, you you all know this is one of my favorite passages because it is the invitation. This This is the altar call coming at you. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether, The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. That's why it passed away means dead. Over. It's over. Passed away. That's why you don't want to go around confessing. See, don't pick up sayings from, from Christians who don't know the word. Because, well, we go to first, you know, First, uh, why did Sepulchre? You know, you know what that's from, and Jesus said. We go to First Deadman's Bones Christian Center, and, uh, over there, we just say, well, we're just sinners saved by grace. Well, no, you're not sinner, because the old sinner, previous moral condition has passed away. So stop saying that that's what you are. He says, well, it sounds humble. No, it sounds ignorant of the Bible. Pray in 2024, I'll become bolder. All right. Now, let's, let's, behold, the fresh has come. Like, look, behold. Behold. Okay. But all things are from God who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself, received us into favor, brought us into harmony. This is salvation with himself and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation that by word and deed we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. Here's evangelism. Let's keep reading. Next verse, 19. It was God personally present in Christ. Look what's happened. Reconciling and restoring the world. Now we wish it said... The church. And it doesn't say the church. It says the world to favor. The whole world. With himself, he's, he's provided the reconciliation. Woo! Shandama. 
not counting up and holding against men their trespasses. If you want a book that further goes into this right here, buy Kenneth Hagin's book, uh, Paul's Revelation. There it is. I used to put pieces of that book on Facebook and crickets. Nobody would say a word. I could just put scripture and I would get wars. If Brother Hagin said it, nobody would argue. But they'll argue with Paul. Paul wishes he had the clout that Brother Hagin had. Not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them. People say, well, what about all these mistakes and sin you had in your life? And I want to say, uh, I don't know. Mine's canceled. Now, if you want to continue to talk about yours, you can have mine too. If you're collecting failure. What did he do? Canceling them. And, aren't you glad your sins are canceled? And committing to us the message of reconciliation. Now, here we go with the altar call. It's coming at you. The message of reconciliation, of the restoration to favor. God sent Jesus to restore us to favor with God. One more. Go to 20. So, we are Christ's ambassadors. Say, I'm Christ's ambassador. God making his appeal, as it were, through us, we as Christ's personal representatives beg you, here's the altar call, here's the altar call, beg you for his sake to lay hold of the divine favor now offered you and be reconciled to God. That's the altar call. Not, don't you feel really crummy about your sorry life? And we've made that the altar call. You need to come down here and you need to kind of look like the dog that did something in the living room on the floor and be really, really sorry. Well, what are you supposed to do? Stand there and go, I'm really, 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 really sorry. That doesn't save you either. You don't get saved by being really sorry. You get saved by accepting this gift right up, wrapped up in this beautiful package called the gospel and God saying to the world, Hey, I've already done it all. I've paid the price. It's free. You don't have to go to hell. You don't have to be condemned. You don't have to be shameful. You don't have to be like feeling like a dog. You can't, nothing against dogs. Don't call PETA. Uh, beg you, we beg you to lay hold of the divine favor. What are we selling here? What are we pushing? Divine favor packages. That's what we're pushing. And I'm sorry, some groups think that they're supposed to be pushing repentance. Oh, boy, I always get in trouble when I go to that word. 
The Bible, the New Testament talks about repentance. Is there room for repentance in the life of, of the, the New Testament believer? Absolutely. We repent all the time when we correct ourselves. The Holy Spirit moves on us. We correct ourselves, correct our thinking, correct our speech, correct our behaviors. Amen. And that's a, that's really, that's real repentance right there. Just changing course and get back in line with God's GPS. You get the, hit the right destination. But all this, uh, playing a sad song and everybody comes and blows snot down, down on the front. Uh, you know, and use up the church's allotment of Kleenex boxes. I'm glad the denomination is not the ones providing like toilet paper and Kleenex boxes at the church because they would limit us to, you know, you get 14 squares a year and that's it, you know, saving money. And be reconciled to God. There is a decision that every man has to make whether he's going to receive this. And if you don't receive this, you're not saved. And if you're not saved, you're not going to heaven. Say, well, I don't think it matters. I think it's it's already done. See, here we, this inclusion thing. Well, it's already done. Everybody just doesn't know about it. And... It doesn't matter. Well, if it didn't matter, then Jesus didn't have to suffer. The Bible tells us in Galatians that if if righteousness comes by works, then Christ is dead in vain. Isn't that something? Now, does that mean we shouldn't preach that we should do moral things and benevolent things and good things and avoid bad things? No, it's all included. It's just that we're saved, our right standing with God comes through this Christmas gift of Jesus appearing. And what did he come to do? He came to reconcile us to God. We say, wait, I want to get extreme. Extreme? How extreme is God to have his own son sacrificed for People that's not even in the kingdom yet, which was everybody at that point. The first salvation occurred at, while Jesus was dying on the cross. That was the first. The thief on the cross was the first guy to get saved. He didn't go through 19 steps to holiness. He didn't have time. When you're dying on a cross, you don't have time to go to the, to the program and sign the certificate. Amen? What was his prayer? Oh man, I feel so bad. I'm such a crumb. No. He said, remember me when you go into your kingdom. That's his prayer for salvation was remember me. No, I never thought about that until I heard my friend Chip Pace was preaching. He used to come here and preach for us some, and he 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 said that. He said, there is no formula for salvation. There's not a specific prayer you have to pray. You just you just accept the grace of God. 
I see that I, I, I have a need and I accept the answer to the need. Praise God. Now, folks, receiving healing today, receiving your needs met financially or materially, all these things, the mental health, the things that you're feeling, all that is available by receiving the same. It's one gift of grace. The gift of grace provided everything that God ever had in mind for humans. So I take that, which is really good, and then I add Ephesians 3.20 on top of it. Let's put Ephesians 3.20 up there. I can't hardly preach without going to Ephesians 3.20. We might change the name of the church to Ephesians 3.20 Christian Center. Make people look it up. They'd wonder what is that. Look at that amplified classic. Uh, now unto him who, in consequence of the action of his power, there's a, a consequence to what he did, is at work within us, is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly. I'm going to walk in super abundantly, not just barely scrape by. Far over and above all that we dare ask or think infinitely, which means there's no limit to it, beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. Amen? Let's live there. Why don't make 2024 the year of Ephesians 3.20? See what God will do. He'll do way more for you than you'll do for yourself. All right, I need to stop preaching. Let's lift our hands and praise the Lord. Thank God today for the word. I'm going to pray for those that are watching on uh, live stream and also you that are here in the house. If you have a physical need, put your hand where you're suffering. Jesus will touch you there. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for touching each heart and each mind. We thank you for this Christmas message of salvation and righteousness and redemption and grace to to resound throughout the earth in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I command every sickness and disease to leave the people now, every weakness, every kind of uh, flu bug, virus, weakness of any kind, go in Jesus' name. Any kind of dementia, any kind of... Uh, attack on the mind or the the, the reasoning faculties. Be healed in Jesus' name. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Praise God. I command blind eyes to open, deaf ears to unstop, lame legs to walk, cancers, tumors, and growths to disappear. We thank you, Father, for your healing power in Jesus' name. Those that are attacked in their mind, I rebuke the devil. I thank you, Lord, for the power of the Holy Spirit to heal our minds and to touch us in, a, in every way. We give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be dismissed. We'll see you tonight. For those that are participating, we have a rehearsal at 4 o'clock and uh, our program starts at six. All right. God bless you. Amen.